This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. All eyes on Milton, where a referendum vote was supposed to happen today, but now it's tomorrow because of the weather. And at issue for Milton, whether the town will comply with a new state law that requires it to change its zoning. Now, at issue for the rest of the 177 cities and towns covered by the new state law, what happens to Milton if they don't? We are going to take you through it because this could affect housing outcomes for the whole state. We have three guests. Lisa Alexander is a professor of Boston College Law School and faculty director of the Housing and Property Rights Programs. Andrew Brinker is a reporter for the Boston Globe who's been following the story. And then here in studio, too, Chris Dempsey, who's a partner at the city planning firm Spec Dempsey. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. Andrew, welcome to you as well. Thanks for having me. And Chris, welcome back to Studio Two. So great to be back on. All right. So listen, I do want to do a tiny bit of setup for folks because the the thing affecting Milton and everyone else, that reference to 177 other cities and towns, is this thing called the uh, a law that was passed in 2021 that includes the MBTA Communities Act. So let's start there. Uh, uh, Lisa, do you want to give us a quick rundown of what it is? Yeah, well, it's a law that was enacted by the state to basically um, force the other 177 municipalities within the state besides Boston to sort of put up their fair share of additional affordable housing or housing to help address really the housing crisis that the state has been facing, um, the acute housing crisis that it's been facing really um uh, in the last five or so years. So, Chris Dempsey, our listeners have come to know you as one of our transit people. It's not just called the uh, Housing Act. It's called the MBTA Communities Act because transit's a key piece of this. So fill out that piece. Yeah, I think the leg- legislature and then Governor Baker were very intentional about this. We know we need a lot more housing in Massachusetts, literally hundreds of thousands of additional units. And if we're going to put them anywhere, let's put them near our transit stations because we know we also have a congestion problem. We know our streets are already totally clogged. If we put the new housing near transit, there's a greater likelihood that people will use that transit system to get around and reduce that congestion, or at least not make it any worse. And that has all sorts of benefits that we've talked about in the past in terms of reducing air pollution and asthma and so on and so on. So Andrew Brinker of the Boston Globe, so then the law gets passed in 2021, but there's a subset of cities and towns that the law says, hey, you go first, right? Uh, And Milton is one of those. So who is in that group and what's going on in Milton? Just give us the headlines. Uh, that's right. So, so um, Milton is in this group that's called the Rapid Transit Communities. So, uh, communities that have access to the red, green, orange, and blue lines, and uh, the state includes uh, the Mattapan Trolley in that. And so, Milton becomes uh, a Rapid Transit community. Uh, and so, those communities had a plan at the end of 2023 to pass uh, these new zoning rules, new land use rules that allowed more multifamily housing, as Chris said, near transit stops. Uh, and all 12 of those communities, including Milton, um, passed new zoning rules uh, successfully by the end of 2023, not without uh, a certain amount of controversy. Uh, and in Milton, uh, the town meeting, essentially, uh, they they approved their land use plan by a two-thirds majority. Um, but then a group of residents who weren't particularly satisfied with that plan, basically, um, there's a section in the town charter that allows them to take a week to gather signatures to try to trigger a referendum. And that's exactly what they did. And so that's uh, where we are now. Okay. So uh, what we have then in, in, in facing us right this second then is a situation where you have a city uh, or town, 
in this case Milton, that's now got a referendum that was supposed to happen today. We'll come back to that in a minute. It's postponed to tomorrow. A judge said, okay, because of the weather, you can postpone it to tomorrow, where the town might actually say, no, we are not going to comply with the law. Uh, Lisa Alexander, can they do that? Um, yes, they can vote on the referendum, but there will be uh, consequences, right? Because um, the law that the MBTA law is a state law, which really sets a state policy that every municipality um, that fits the definition of an MBTA community has to come up with a plan for creating more housing near transit stops. And so their no vote will just mean a no to the plan that their own elected officials came up with, but it doesn't absolve them from having to comply with the law. The law is a pretty clear state mandate that every municipality has to come up with some kind of plan, and uh, their no just means that they're not in compliance with the law in the timeline that was set. Okay, so there's two things that uh, Lisa Alexander, who's a professor at Boston College, just said that I want to pull out, right? One is, this is the plan, and the other is the not in compliance. And I'm going to do those in reverse order because back in December, we talked with Governor Moore Healy every month here on Radio Boston. At that time, knowing that that was kind of the month where the deadline was for this first wave of cities and towns because they had access to Radsprid Transit to put their plans in place, I said to her, it doesn't seem to me that you've really been using your bully pulpit to tell cities and towns you better comply. There'd been conversation really I think arguably since before the law was signed from cities and towns saying, well, maybe we just won't. And here is what Governor Healy said to me at the time. If you don't comply with the act, then you're going to see us withholding as a state money for any number of of programs that that you're used to receiving money for. And that includes, you know, for schools, it includes for for roads and bridges, it includes for a whole host of of, uh, things that are important to communities. And it's worth noting that the lieutenant governor, Kim Driscoll, actually went to a rally for Yes for Milton, the side that's pushing to maintain the plan that Milton did pass in a town meeting in December, obviously underscoring that the governor's office wants Milton to comply. Now we do the plan thing. And stay with me, folks, because the point here is... If Milton doesn't, it raises a set of questions about all the cities and towns that come later. It's kind of testing the state. Well, what are you going to do? Right. So this is and this is still about plans, Chris Dempsey. So just flesh that piece out for us. And then I'm going to go back to Andrew Brinker at the Boston Globe and we're going to start moving into. So what are you going to do? Right. But what is this plans thing that Lisa Alexander is explaining to us? Well, so first of all, it's important to remember that a zoning plan does not necessarily mean more housing. What this is saying is that we would allow landowners in this district to build more housing according to this law, but there's no requirement that that happens. And I it think- It just means it could happen. It could happen. And, and there are the, the claims of this meaning a radical change for communities are overstated. I've seen that in my own community in Brookline. And in fact, I, I think as of today, we have not seen a single- new unit of housing built under the MBTA Communities Act, even though many communities have passed their zoning to be in compliance with it. So it's an important distinction between this law and compliance and the reality that folks are going to see on the ground. Now, Andrew Brinker, uh, Milton's not the only place this has been tense, yes? 
Uh, no, uh, there was some, some pretty heated debates. Um, Brookline, uh, you know, uh, as Chris just said, had a fairly intense debate, and uh, they were only to get something able to get something across the finish line um, when two groups, sort of on opposing sides of the issue, were able to reach a, uh, what they called a compromise plan that was uh, fairly significantly scaled back from what the town had originally proposed, and then. Uh, in Newton, um, things got so fiery that uh, a couple of city councilors lost their job over, or lost their jobs, I should say, over uh, a plan that was um, uh, was going to exceed the requirements of MBTA communities and rezone all of Newton's village centers. Um, but because of the results of that city council election uh, and sort of all of the fervor that that happened around uh, the MBTA community zoning and this idea of what could potentially happen to our community. Um, the, the council eventually scaled back their plan uh, fairly significantly to only include uh, pretty much what they had to. All right. So now we did, of course, reach out in Milton to both sides of this issue. We got in touch with some of the folks from the Yes for Milton side. Here's what Liz Dillon, who's a co-chair of the campaign, told us. Uh, one of the arguments uh, against the plan that was passed in town meeting in December was about traffic. Here is what Liz Dill- Dillon of Yes for Milton said about that. Adding additional units is not necessarily the problem, and I don't think that it will really add to the problem. Because if these people cannot live in Milton, they're going to live someplace else, and then those people will have to travel into the city, and they might cut through Milton. So by not having them live in our town, I don't think it will actually resolve the problem. Now, I'll also note, Andrew, we tried multiple times to get in touch with the No for Milton campaign uh, using a variety of measures, and they did not respond to any of our outreach. Uh, What have you heard from that camp? Uh, Well, we've managed to speak with them a a couple times over the last few weeks, and and basically they lay out a couple of arguments, one of them being um, sort of centering around the Mattapan trolley, and, and they're essentially arguing that the Mattapan trolley is not, in fact, rapid transit. And so uh, the way that MBTA communities work is that you know, the rapid transit communities have a greater requirement. Uh, they have to zone for more theoretical units under the law. Uh, and so they're basically arguing that they should not have to zone for quite so many units because, uh, again, those are theoretical units, as, as Chris pointed out. Um, but they're basically arguing that, um, you know, because of some of the restraints of the Mattapan trolley, they, they should not have to zone for quite so many units. And then, you know, um, they have some concerns about traffic on Granite Avenue, which is a main thoroughfare that goes into Boston and um, are worried about uh, how much of the zoning is clustered in one part of town, East Milton, which is uh, one of the denser neighborhoods. So we're losing your sound a little bit there, Andrew Brinker of the Boston Globe. I'm going to turn you back to the team in the control room. We'll see if we can beef that sound up. And this is a good time to remind listeners, we are looking at a vote that's going to happen tomorrow now in Milton. It was scheduled for today, but because of the storm, a judge allowed them to push it out a day. That vote would determine whether or not Milton continues to go forward with the plan it passed in December that was required by law for them to plan to comply with an act called the MBTA Communities Act. If they don't, they'll be the first city or town out of 178 that have to do this that are not in compliance with the new law. And it's kind of a test case for what will happen in the rest of the state. Okay, so Chris Dempsey, uh, part of the Milton argument is, hey, we shouldn't really be considered rapid transit because we shouldn't really be considered rapid transit because of the Mattapan trolley. We actually talked to Brian Kane. I know you know Brian of the MTA, MBTA advisory board. Um, he did, you know, tell us, listen, this, <laughs> this trolley was built when Franklin Roosevelt was the president. The cars were designed in the 30s, built in the 40s. He says they require a lot of upkeep that isn't easy, for example. They have to fabricate parts 
using a blacksmith, and I'm not joking, an actual blacksmith fabricates metal and iron parts because um, there are not many parts manufacturers anymore. So is there any traction to what folks are saying? Not fair? Well, it's interesting. So I also spoke with folks in Milton ahead of this conversation and spoke to a friend who's pretty skeptical of this plan. And he didn't tell me he was going to vote against it. I think he's likely to do so. I spoke to other friends in Milton who are enthusiastic about this plan. Um, And the number one argument that my skeptical friend raised was this rapid transit argument and saying that the Mattapan high-speed line is really not rapid transit. I'd respond in a couple of ways. So first of all, the Mattapan high-speed line is rapid transit by any federal or state definition. Okay, of so the it's word. not just this particular law or the regulations. That is not a question. It. The National Transit Database has been tracking it as rapid transit as it would for any other dedicated rail line, which is what it is with frequent stops and frequent service. That's what it has. Um, it's been law in Massachusetts for at least 50 years and maybe longer. But more to the point here, if we started carving out this law and dividing it up so that every small little discrepancy in transit meant that communities had to comply in different ways, we would have an enormously complex and I think less fair and less clear system. For example, Brookline is also classified as a rapid transit community. So is Newton. Newton only has uh, one of the green lines. Brookline has multiple of the green lines, but the green line is certainly lower capacity than the red line or the orange line. So you could make the case in Brookline or Newton, well, we shouldn't have to comply in the same way that maybe Cambridge does because our service is less. You start to get into a debate that just leads nowhere. Slippery slope. You, you yeah, have to have clear, clear lines. Lisa, jump in. Yeah, so I wanted to jump in to say that, um, uh, you know, these arguments about um, dicing over transit and whose transit system is bigger, um, they're the kinds of arguments that frequently get made in land use decisions when people are sort of trying not to build something or not to have zoning rules that would permit building more dense housing. And there are often claims that, you know, this is going to strain our resources. Um, But the reality behind the, the purpose behind the MBTA Communities Law is to sort of have the state say, look, everybody has to put up their fair share of the necessity of having housing. And it may mean, right, that people have to sacrifice a little bit. Some communities have to do things they might not exactly want to do, but everybody has to put up their fair share, right? So I think dicing over the transportation um, kind of um, invalidates the point of the law, which is that everybody has to come up with some kind of plan to have slightly more dense housing. And the failure to do that, the exclusionary pressures that have existed for many years in many municipalities to not build anything but single family homes has really raised the cost of housing for everyone in the state. So sorry. Supply so are you, uh, to summarize what you said, Lisa Alexander, are you basically saying, Yes. Uh, to comply, you may have a little more traffic. You may have more strain on the schools. Uh, there may be other pressures, but that's going to come with increased density. And at this point, this law says we need increased density in cities and towns that haven't accepted it in the past because that's what it's going to take. Yes, because essentially the failure of every municipality, all 777 municipalities to do that is partially what's causing the housing crisis within the state, making it more expensive to build housing or more expensive to buy housing or to rent housing because the supply is so low. So while this doesn't, as as was said earlier, definitely mean units get built, 
at least it permits legally for more density, for more units to be built. And then we have to figure out the math about how to do that in each municipality. But what's needed in the state is for every municipality to start thinking about this. And it may mean some sacrifices, but it's necessary to help the state because we've had population loss. We're having problems housing people. People are having problems achieving the American dream. And um, and everybody needs to put up their fair share. And Andrew Brinker, so this brings us back to wherever goes Milton therefore could go the state, right? Because this is about a a, a severe pressure on housing and the need for more housing across the state. Uh, This is a test case. If Milton votes actually not to comply with the MBTA Communities Act, uh, I played the sound that the governor's talking about, uh, how she's thinking about it. The attorney general, uh, Andrea Campbell, is also thinking about consequences. and, And then everybody would be watching hey, what's going to happen here, correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, You know, uh, since this law was first passed uh, way back in 2021, um, communities have sort of been playing around, uh, as we talked about earlier, I've been playing around with the idea of, you know, do we really have to comply with this or is this optional or is this something that we can potentially, you know, stand our ground on and and defy the state on this? And, you know, Milton is the test case right now. Um, So, yes, the attorney general has said and, and, and no uncertain terms at this point, if Milton does not go along with this, uh, she will sue. Uh, she will sue the town of Milton. And there are some other legal groups that are watching what's happening here, too, that they're, uh, you know, sort of considering that action as well. Uh, and, you know, a bigger picture, um, I, I think this is a really important case for for the state. Um, you know, as you said, uh, communities are watching Milton. And, you know, the state's whole pitch here is that in order to dig out of this massive housing crisis that is affecting, you know, greater Boston as a region and is affecting the state as a whole, each of these communities has to play their part to do that. Uh, and this is this law is the manifestation of that it is saying, you know, Milton and Newton and Brookline all have to do their part to pass this new zoning to build more housing. And if they have a community that is going against that, um, you know, it's maybe sending a message to other communities that, hey, maybe we can sort of take a stand as well and, and, and not go along with that. And, and, and that's sort of how the Huey administration and how the attorney general is, is, is looking at this as well. And the timeline here is really critical because Milton with the other rapid transit communities were required to comply by the end of last year, the end of 2023. That compliance for Milton is now in jeopardy with tomorrow's vote. But all of the other communities under this act who are commuter rail communities, they have to comply by the end of this year. And so they're going to be watching what happens in Milton if the vote does pass in the sense that it knocks back the zoning and throws throws Milton into noncompliance. Is the state and the attorney general, are they going to come down hard on Milton? If not, then it maybe gives some wiggle room to these other communities to say they're not going to be in compliance either. So my hope as a housing advocate, as someone that knows we need more housing for the reasons that Professor Alexander so eloquently stated a moment ago, my hope is that the attorney general does follow through with that if Milton is not in compliance. Uh, Lisa Alexander of BC Law. So two sort of rapid fire follow up questions there. One Is there precedent or reason to think the state can come down hard on a community like Milton? And two, in a timely fashion such that cities and towns who are watching to see if they have to comply on the 2024 timeline get the information they are looking for to make those decisions, those being the ones considering maybe not complying with law. Some cities and towns will say it's the law we're going to comply. Lisa. 
that the MBTA Communities Law specifies what some of the remedies or the ways that the state could come down hard on a municipality are. It specifies the types of money that it could withhold from a municipality that does not comply. Um, and those are things that it can do. The attorney general is clearly empowered to enforce state law, and the state law is quite explicit about what funds it could withhold. In addition, there are other possible claims that could be made um, besides just under the MBTA Communities Law itself, there's claims that could be made under state um, fair housing laws and under federal fair housing laws. Um, and there, and while those those cases are not slam dunk and might take a longer time than enforcing the terms that are in the MBTA Communities Law, those claims could be made. Um, the idea is that when a municipality um, resists uh, complying with the law and that resistance ends up causing um, basically a disparate impact on classes that are protected under the state fair housing law and the federal fair housing law, the attorney general can enforce that law. And um, while, you know, the, the ways of bringing that law, the proof in, and causation in that law are, are somewhat tricky, um, exclusionary zoning, municipalities that say no to building housing when housing is needed and mandated are pretty clear cases um, that can be um, liable under these laws. So not super murky. So Andrew Brinker, that then, here's my sort of last area of question, right? Uh, when you get down to local politics uh, and a vote, so much comes down to ground game, right? Who gets the vote out? And uh, for several weeks now, both the yes and the no side of this in Milton have been working to get people out on February 13th to vote. Yesterday, due to the weather, a last-minute decision, um, asking a judge to postpone the vote for tomorrow, um, and very little time to let people know on either side, hey, the vote's not going to be February 13th, it's going to be February 14th. Is there any reason to think that the weather affects the outcome of this vote that <laughs> is sort of momentous for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in this moment because of the way get-out-the-vote dynamics work. Andrew, are you hearing anything about that? Yeah, I think there's deep concern um, from both campaigns that this could ultimately impact the results of the election. As you said, they've both been campaigning, you know, they've been on the ground knocking doors, putting up yard signs, you know, sending mailers, that sort of thing, all advertising this February 13th election, you know, this, this sort of monumentous election, one of the most, you know, intense recent years um, that anybody in town could remember. And now at the last second, the day before the election, you know, we have this nor'easter coming in. And, and as you said, the, the, the town goes to a judge and asks to delay it, um, you know, for, for the safety of residents. You know, they want, first of all, they want residents to be able to get to the polls and they want them to be able to get to the polls safely. But there is some concern that the turnout is not going to be the same now that the election has been has been uh, delayed. And, you know, I was talking to the Yes campaign folks yesterday and they were really saying that for them, this is a turnout election, you know, on something like zoning, on something like housing. It's a lot easier to get to no than it is to get to yes. And so for them, they feel like, um, you know, anything that potentially inhibits some folks from getting to the polls or, or, or changes those dynamics um, could potentially throw off the, the results of the election. So so that is a, a very serious concern from, from both sides of this right now. Okay, quick last question to each of you. Lisa Alexander, is this really an unusual moment or is this pretty typical for big policy changes in states? 
Um, well, it's an unusual moment in the sense that the state has understood that it's facing a housing crisis, not just an affordable housing crisis, but a housing crisis. And as a result, has brought a policy to the fore through state law to say everybody has to put up their fair share of the burden. Um, it's unusual sometimes that states will do that at the state level, but we have been seeing this in other states that are facing acute housing crises like California um, and other places like Vermont. And so um, it is a big moment in that can the state elevate uh, zoning, which is normally a local power, but can it elevate it to the state level which and preempt the localities to get those localities to really help create, at least permit housing to be built that might help resolve the housing crisis we face. And Chris Dempsey, we're watching, the state's watching. Are other states watching us? You know, I would predict, especially if the Milton plan is rejected by voters, that this becomes a national story. So far, it's been mostly a regional story with great coverage from BUR and The Globe and others. But I think you're going to see national outlets turn their attention to Milton. And you will just say, for those of us who love municipal public policy, what better day than Valentine's Day for this to be decided <laughs> and to have us paying attention to this tomorrow. And we're, you know, we're hoping that everyone that goes to the polls in Milton does it with all the information at hand, including this conversation. All right. Chris Dempsey of Spec Dempsey, Andrew Brinker of the Boston Globe, Lisa Alexander of Boston College Law School. Thanks to all three of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much.